Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Owen Jones. Welcome to the podcast. Today, Abigail Thorne. Incredible. Uh, she is the the YouTuber most known as Philosophy Tube, but she's many, many things. She's an actor as well. Uh, she's involved in all sorts, to be honest. Um, Philosophy Tube is huge. It's a really big YouTube channel that has popularised philosophy. She has a massive fan base. Now, she's recently come out as trans, so we talk about that. We talk about transphobia. Uh, we talk about philosophy, as you'd expect. We talk about her becoming this YouTube superstar. We talk about her acting. Uh, we talk about optimism and hope, which is important, I think, in the current climate. I think you'd all agree. Um, do listen to this one. It's it's She's great. Big fan. Big, big fan. Uh, just a bit of housekeeping. Um, if you want to support us to keep this podcast and video channel and everything else... Uh, underway, we've got a documentary coming up about the COVID profiteers. Uh, then please do support us on patreon.com forward slash owenjoes84 or using the support function in the description. Please subscribe. Also, please do give us five stars because it just helps get the word out. Um, and also, you can watch our videos on YouTube channel and subscribe there as well and get notifications there. Uh, please do get involved. But that's enough of me babbling on listen to this interview is a good one if you're joining us please like and subscribe i'm kind of starstruck actually abby just saying a bit starstruck um one of the great youtubers of our time as i live and breathe <laughs> not just a youtuber not just a youtuber we'll that's stamming about... with faint praise <laughs> no what are you talking about youtube's the future now whether we like it or not actually dystopian as it may well be um no, I mean, you're not just a YouTuber, you're an actor, you're a, you're so many things, we'll talk about it. I just want to start, I mean, let's just start, I mean, I mean, you must be like, oh, oh, roll eyes, do we really have to keep talking about this? But, you know, I find it interesting from one side of the LGBTQ rainbow, um, because coming out as a cisgendered, for those who don't know, that means not trans, my gender ally, the gender assigned to me at birth is the gender which I feel comfortable they in. They got it right. They were right first time. They nailed it. They nailed it. Um, yeah. Is, exactly. I didn't have to quibble with that one. But uh, coming out as gay was stressful, but I, did, I only had to come out at the time to my friends, my family. It was so stressful. Coming out as trans in the current climate to the world, that's mm-hmm. a much bigger deal. So do you just want to t- talk me through that and the kind of build up to it and what your, I don't know, what was your fears, what was going through your head? Well, I I had two comings out really because I had, um, I had my private coming out to my family and my friends, which happened a long, long time before I came out publicly. So that was uh, very stressful and, uh, and very, 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 very typical. It's kind of followed the typical model of a, of a lot of trans people 
coming out privately um, and then uh, having to navigate various sort of legal and uh, medical obstacles as well. And then much later, I had my coming out publicly because for those who uh, don't know me already, uh, I'm an actress and I'm a YouTuber. My show is called Philosophy Tube. And it has about 900,000 subscribers at the moment. Um, and I've been doing that for a few years. I teach philosophy in a fun way. Uh, and I, I started it when the government tripled tuition fees because I just wanted to give away my philosophy degree. And it, it became this sort of huge thing. So I had this massive audience and I knew that as soon as I came out, I would instantly become one of the most recognizable trans people in Britain. Um, so I, I was under a lot of pressure but I took my time with it and uh, I waited until I was ready and until it was sort of undeniable, really. I couldn't, I couldn't really hide it anymore. All my trans audience were like, yeah, we see you. Um, you're, <laughs> you're not getting away with this. We, we clocked you ages ago. Um, in fact, even my trans friends who knew me, even when I came out to them in private, uh, I remember I told a friend of mine, I was like, I think I'm trans. And she was like, yeah, I know. I've known for months and months and months and i was like thanks for telling me um that's really kind of you to to clue me in on that one um so that was interesting um but yes i uh suddenly been thrust into this position of incredible responsibility as a as a public trans person um and you know i've been on the bbc now that interview should be coming out soon and now i'm here on the owen jones show i mean you say that you're starstruck I and mean, I've, I've been following your work since I was very small. Um, so Okay, make me feel old. Thank you very much. That's the end <laughs> of the interview. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks very much for having me. Um yeah, uh so it, it did put me under a lot of under a lot of pressure. Um and in a kind of very grim coincidence, I remember a few friends telling me, oh well you know you're not gonna be the most recognizable trans binary trans woman in Britain because there's there's always Sophie. Everyone knows Sophie, like very famous trans uh, pop music producer and then in a in a, a horrible twist of fate the morning that I came out publicly the news broke that Sophie had very tragically died um so that sort of threw me for a loop and I considered oh should I delay my coming out or and in the end I, I just had to go for it really because the time was right but yes it's been a it's been a very interesting journey um I spoke a little bit in my coming out statement about how I feel a lot of pressure to get it right um which uh, I can't because I'm I can't I can't be the kind of perfect paragon of trans Britain, um, but I'm I'm trying to do my best and to handle the responsibility whilst also avoiding becoming like public trans lady because that's not that's not who I am it's not what I do I'm just an actress you know I want to be on stage and on screen and making my show on YouTube so um, I'm trying to sort of balance this. Uh, you know, the, the metaphor that I've used is it's kind of like marrying into the royal family in that it to Ooh. me is it to me. I'm doing it for a topical. I know to me, I'm doing it for love. Um, but to everyone else, it's this huge deal. Uh, and that also comes uh, with a lot of negative attention as well. So, um, yes, it's been an interesting, interesting few months. And I think it's going to only get more interesting as I keep going. I mean, how, how have you found the response? But also, it's something I've spoken about a lot on the show. I've interviewed people like Sean Fay, for example, a, a brilliant trans writer. Uh, Freddie McConnell, who uh, did a brilliant documentary called Seahorse mm. uh, as, a, as a trans dad. Um, both friends of mine, both brilliant trans writers and campaigners. 
uh, journalists um, and talked a, a lot about the, I suppose, the burning skip of transphobia that the country we live in has become. I mean, it's rampant. And it's not just, you know, in the US, transphobia is obviously a very big problem. It's more associated with the right, though. So even like mainstream Democrats will often be, or mainstream feminists, certainly trans-inclusive, article of faith. That's not the case in this country. In this case, transphobia is is raging across the spectrum, even though there are many progressives and leading prominent feminists who are very trans-inclusive. So tell me about the reception, but also coming out in this atmosphere with a full-blown moral panic akin to the moral panic against gay and bisexual men in the 1980s uh, and 1990s in the media and, and why you think that's happening and, and, and how that makes, do you think, you know, you feel as a trans person, trans people generally? Uh, well, you've touched on a lot there. Um... <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it's just a simple question. Yeah, just a simple question. Um, well, uh, I, well, in terms of the response, first of all, the response from my audience has been overwhelmingly positive, which has been lovely. Uh, for years, I have uh, deliberately been cultivating a trans-inclusive atmosphere on my show, citing trans philosophers, giving trans perspectives on philosophical issues. Not always, you know, but I've just I've just made it very clear, hey, if you're not okay with this, then this is not the show for you. So, uh, and, and I also have quite a large trans following, partly because I've been friends with other trans creators publicly, and partly because I think at least some trans people clocked me long ago and were like, okay, we know where this is going. Uh, they, they recognize the telltale signs. So the response from my audience has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, the response from the kind of public media, it's, it's a little early to tell. Um, the LGBT media was very much uh, on my side, which is lovely, um, as have a few sort of smaller media outlets here and there. So I, I think the Metro had a nice column. And, uh, and some international American and Canadian and I think German and Spanish news organizations um, gave nice little write-ups or are not always sort of, you know, lavishingly with praise, but but just sort of using the correct pronouns and, and you know, using the right pictures and so on. Um, reporting on this as, as if, you know, I'm a woman who has going through a big change and with a public following and just kind of being very normal about it, which is lovely. Um, the response from mainstream British media, it's a, it's a little early to tell. So when I did my interview with Ben Hunt from the BBC, he tweeted out a picture of us saying, hey, I just spoke to Abigail Thorne. And that put me on the radar of some, uh, some, some sort of fairly large British turfs, I think. And I think when that interview comes out, I'm expecting the backlash to step up another level. I'm, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop, particularly from... Uh, British TERFs. Um, in terms of British transphobia, uh, yes, I mean, it's now, uh, it's it's very obvious, I think. But well, no, actually, perhaps it's not, because I, I have a friend who works for the BBC, and uh, I told him a few months ago, I was like, you know, the, the British media has a reputation internationally for being notoriously transphobic. And he was like, really? I had no idea. Yeah, and I, I showed him some articles, and he said, well, they they seem neutral to me. And I said, yes, they seem neutral to you because you're cis. They're not taking a neutral position on whether or not you deserve equal rights. Um, so the British media is notoriously transphobic. Um, however, uh, the conversation I have found always centers around, oh, isn't the media very toxic or isn't social media very toxic? And yes, that's true. 
However, I think it's important for us to realize that trans people in this country, like legally and politically, do not have equal rights. I can't get married the same way that you can. I can't adopt children or start a family the same way that you can. Uh, I don't have uh, equal rights to healthcare the same way that cis people do. Um, and really, it's uh, it's those things <laughs> that, are, that really need to be changed. I mean, if everyone in Britain woke up tomorrow and was suddenly just filled with love and positivity and happiness about trans people and absolutely supported us, we would still be living in a world in which I can't get married or start a family without permission from the government. And we would still be living in a world in which I have to use a segregated NHS and cut off from the rest of you and have to see a psychiatrist and go on waiting lists to get the exact same treatment that you can get uh, much more easily. Um, we would still be living in an incredibly backwards country. I mean, um, uh, the result of Bellevue Tavistock has been a de facto ban on transition for trans kids, which is just un unconscionable. It, it's, it's been internationally condemned by doctors and lawyers and human rights groups, and I'm very happy that the decision is going to be appealed. But um, Alabama's new law that they passed the other day banning healthcare for uh, trans kids uh, has been internationally recognized and nationally recognized in the US as absolutely barbaric and unconscionable but that brings Alabama into line with the law that Britain has had for years. And we, we have had we have been that repressive for that long. Uh, so really, it's not just an improvement in the tone of the conversation. It's not just about politicians coming out and saying, yes, we must give we must give the trans this dignity. Like, I mean, how much dignity can I really live in if I don't have equal rights? You know, that's the change that needs to happen. Before I ask about other stuff, because there is infinitely more to you than your recent coming out, to say the least. You're one of the most fascinating Thank you. people in the in the YouTube and, for, and beyond universe. Yeah, I mean, there will be, and I know this, lots of younger trans people watching this who are actually quite scared at the moment. They're scared because of the atmosphere. They're scared because the almost the entire media is ranged against them, in, not just the right-wing media, the whole shebang. Uh, because of prominent figures who constantly and almost obsessively, and I think anti-trans activism in Britain is a disturbing case study in online radicalization. People have clearly gone down online rabbit holes. People sometimes mm -hmm. call Mumsnet uh, Prosecco Stormfront, which is funny. Um, but I've Mumsnet, never been on Mumsnet. It is. Mm, yeah, I um, I sometimes get piled on, on Twitter. I'm like, where's this coming from? And then I go, oh, there's a Mumsnet thread. And now I'm being subjected to lots of homophobia. Yeah, and... I mean, in terms of, uh, there are a few allies as well who, who are willing to speak out. So what would you say to, to not just young trans people, there are lots of people maybe who are older who haven't come out. What would you say to them about who are feeling maybe a bit despairing, a bit scared right now? What, uh, what, what would you say? I've been asked this question a lot and I never really know how to answer it because being any kind of trans in Britain is extremely difficult. And I was and am scared as well. And I think if you're not scared, you're not really paying attention. I mean, um, I, I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice, Owen, that the things people say about us, they're the same things that they said about you only a few years ago. Indeed. Um, so I think, you know, lesbians and gay people and bisexual people should should rightly be concerned about this as well coming out as lgbt at all never mind trans in britain right now i i yeah why of course you'd be scared of course you would and i wish i had some words of consolation to offer um i'm also conscious of the fact that being white 
being thin, having an education, having the privileges that allow me to be articulate, um, put me at a massive, massive advantage. I mean, one of the things that I, that I didn't realize until I came out was how much time I have to spend explaining things to cis people and not, I don't mean in a conversational sense that you and I are having, I mean that, you know, having to sit down and explain to my own doctor what the NHS rules about caring for me are, or having to sit down and explain to a landlord, to an estate agent, to someone in a position of authority to say, no, actually the rules that you have to stick to and that you should know are this. And I have had to go away and research that. So being able to like putting points into charisma, being able to explain and be articulate, being able to manage the emotions of, uh, for instance, a male doctor who says, no, 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 I can't do this for you. And I have to say, actually, you know, not only can you do this, you are required to do it, um, to manage their emotions, to help them along as women do men all the time. It's a skill that we have to develop. Um, but yes, uh, being, being articulate and being able to explain oneself is a majorly useful thing. And I'm aware that, that that's not just like a gift from God. That's not a talent. That's, that's a result of, of privilege and whiteness and, and thinness. Um, so I'm aware that I'm in a very lucky position, even as a trans person. So as hard as it is for me, it will be that much harder for many, if not most other trans people. So I wish I had some words of consolation to offer. The one thing I would say with all those caveats I've just mentioned in mind is that the difference between being in the closet and coming out is night and day. Mm. I, I could never have imagined that I could be so happy and whole and content. And that even when things are scary that I would say, well, all right, well, at least I'm all right in myself that my, I might be at risk from the world, but I'm okay. But Ab Abigail's all right in her, you know, and that I'm no longer my own enemy. Um, and I remember when I realized that it wasn't a question of, well, do I trans? It wasn't a question of, am I trans or not? I realized I had crossed the threshold and it was, I, it's a question between either I transition or I stay in the closet. Um, and I thought, well, one of those leads to me being dead within a few years, statistically. And the other one is coming out with all of the risks and all of the responsibilities, but ultimately with happiness and joy that I could never have imagined before. It's, it's better than I could have even dreamed. Um, so I suppose with all the risks and all the dangers that have come with it, I personally have so far, as I say, it's early days, found it to be overwhelmingly necessary and worth it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's really moving, actually. And I, I saw, you know, I watched your incredible video coming out and the response to it and just the impact it had on so many trans people um, that they saw someone like you who does have a huge following uh, coming out and it it made a lot of, I think, quite frightened people feel a lot better. And there was no pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's sometimes this sense of, you know, there's no, you talk about responsibility, but you don't have to have, you know, there's no onus on you because you're trans or other people because they're gay or whatever to be fighters you know why should mm. people have to have this extra kind of responsibility just just because they want to live their lives normally but it, it was a lifeline it made a big big impact on people and we will i def- remember feeling that way um when other trans people ahead of me came out i remember i remember when elliot page came out i was like god yes and it's an actor as well yes yes and not only that but an oscar nominated actor i think i was like mm. oh god yes thank god there's someone in my industry who you know has a big platform and has come out and it made me feel so validated. And and um, I know that Eddie, Eddie Azad has been out for a long time, but when she announced that she wanted to use she, her pronouns exclusively, um, again, that sort of filled filled me with light. And I was like, God, yes, finally, even with all the backlash that she got. And because I've, I've followed her work again, since I was very, very small, since before I even knew why I was following it. And I remember also, in the more distant past when trans people with platforms came out before I kind of realized that I was trans, I remember looking at them and feeling some kind of joy that I didn't yet feel entitled to claim or was unsure of. So I understand uh, that a lot of people were very moved by it. It's I, it's wonderful that, that you know, art and theater, even YouTube theater can do that. Um, I have received a lot of letters from trans people and partners of trans people, which have been wonderful. Can imagine, and uh, you know, all LGBTQ people, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Those who struggled before us, uh, and we have giants like yourself, who others will stand on the shoulders of as well. But we will defeat our enemies with, with struggle. So let's talk about philosophy. For- I'm six foot one. I sure as hell I'm giant. <laughs> <laughs> I stick out like a sore thumb. I'm, I'm five foot nine. Now people say I'm surprisingly tall because I think people think I'm going to be like two little weedy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, look at me. Um, I'm not wearing my heels today, so I'm not quite a glamazon. You look very glam, very glam. Oh, um, philosophy, yeah, I, mean, I studied philosophy A-level. I'm not saying that because, but the reason I'm saying that is because at the time, I remember being told that about there was only like 200 philosophy A-level students like in the country and most sixth forms didn't even do philosophy. Mm-hmm. I find that really interesting because you're obviously this viral success. How would, why do you think that is? Why do you think, other than, I mean, Everyone who's watched your videos, they're incredibly produced, incredibly well presented. I mean, they're they're masterpieces of videos, uh, unlike those who just fling off <laughs> videos. No, I mean, they, they really are just, you know, there's creative genius going in. But why do you think philosophy is so marginalised in that sense? And why do you think you managed to tap into, into you know, into popularising it? Why do you think there was such an in- a receptive audience? Well, when I started out, I um, it didn't have anything like the production value or skill behind it. You know, I had no experience. I was teaching myself to edit using iMovie 
um, and just filming it in my bedroom in Scotland. Um, I'm not sure why philosophy itself has been so neglected, although I suppose part of it is people have this perception that philosophy is not relevant to their everyday lives, that it can't help them. And I think to a certain extent that is uh, possibly not an undeserved reputation on the part of academic philosophy, which has long been sequestered, that um, has been slightly ivory tower, that has been the preserve of wealthy white cis people for a long time. And so I think the majority of people on earth could fairly say, well, you know, what, what, what use is this to me? I've got to go to work, you know? Um, so when I first started the show, I mean, my original plan was just to film my lectures and upload them for free <laughs> on YouTube, because I thought I, I was in the last year to pay the old tuition fees before they were tripled. And I, I, I hate the idea of paying for education or getting in debt for education. I think it's, you know, anti-human almost. So I think education should be free and I decided to just just put my lectures online and the university said, well, no, you can't do that. And I said, well, all right, I'll just stand in front of a camera and say, this is what I learned today. This is what I got in my lectures or this is what they told me at A-level. And now you've learned it for free. You didn't have to pay for it, you know, but I'm muggins and I did. Uh, and it grew very slowly. And I think I've been very lucky that it's grown very slowly. I mean, I started making the show seven years ago and only now is it knocking on the door of 900,000 million subscribers. Um, and I, I've been lucky that it has grown slowly because I've had time to get used to each new level of public attention. I have friends who've become very famous overnight and it, it can it can be very hard because there's suddenly you know, things that you can't do anymore. Um, but I've had time to get used to it. And I think there was an appetite to learn and to think critically about the world and to not just accept what we're given um, and to get a new perspective on things. And as the show progressed, I started trying to broaden the horizons. I, I remember deliberately starting to try and cite more women philosophers on the show and, and more philosophers of color and more trans philosophers to go out of my way to try and correct the kind of bias that had been in my education. And I think people found that interesting. And then uh, I started saying, well, what if they weren't just dry lectures? Because I had I'd done my professional acting training. So I thought, well, why not? Why, why wait around waiting to be cast in things when I could make the show a theatrical production? Uh, so, so I did. Um, and, uh, and now I think people, some people tune in for the entertainment or for the fashion or for the looks or <laughs> so on, in some occasions for my looks, um, which was very flattering. Uh, but I think people do, I mean, the comments I always enjoy are when people say, oh, I never thought about it that way. Or, oh, you've really made me think about this. Um, and I also enjoy the comments when people say, oh, I just put your videos on in the background, but then, I, then I'm then i compelled to sit down and watch them because they're so, they grab me. Those are the comments I really like. Um, but actually, actually you'll like this, Owen. Um, the reason I started the show when I did was because I applied for an internship with Private Eye over the summer and I didn't get it. I got a rejection email from Ian Hislop that in hindsight, I wish I had kept. You should have framed uh, it. I should, I should have done. Um, but I suddenly had a summer free where I thought I'd be going down to London and uh, and doing you know stuff with Ian because um, I thought I wanted to do kind of kind of what you do now this sort of topical newsy but like entertainment sort of thing and I thought well, Private Eye would be good but I got rejected and so I sort of I said well sorry I'm going to start my own show uh, and I started my own show on YouTube and uh, and now my audience is is bigger than Private Eyes which is um. A very good In feeling. Your face, private eye. Look oh, what you could have oh had. No, I like them. I like. They're nice. They were nice to me. 
nothing personal against Ian Hislop. You know, I'm sure we'll cross paths someday. And uh, I mean, you can buy me a drink. It was helpful. thank him, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, inadvertently, that's helpful, but still, quite literally, they're phenomenal loss. Uh, I mean, it's just a factual statement. You do have a bigger audience now than five and a half. That's funny. That's inherently funny. Mm. I mean, acting. It tell makes me, about, me feel good. It should make you feel good. Tell me about acting. Tell me about because this is something now you're, you know, this is, I mean, it's exciting. It's very exciting. So tell me about like your interest, where that came from in acting and, 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 and where that's taking you now. I, I, I've been acting as long as I can remember. I, I remember my first roles in school plays when I was, must've been between three and five. I've just been, I've been doing it my whole life. And, um, I knew when I was at school that I wanted to act professionally and, um, but it, it was expected that I would go to university first. So I did my philosophy degree. And alongside that, I was in as many shows as I could be. Uh, I actually auditioned for Star Wars episode seven. Um, I haven't heard back yet, but I'm beginning to think I didn't get it. Um, they've still got my headshot actually. So I should ask them for that back. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I finished my philosophy degree and then I took a year out and I, I remember sitting down because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, so I went through everything that I did and I said, how would I feel if somebody said I could never do this again? So if somebody said I could never study philosophy again, I'd be sad, but I'd kind of be okay with it. And I was doing a lot of stand-up comedy at the time. I thought, how would somebody feel if somebody told me I could never do stand-up again? And I thought, well, I'd be very happy, actually, because it makes me miserable and I'm not very good at it. Uh, and then I got to acting. I said, how would, how would I feel if somebody told me I was never allowed to act again? And I realized I'd be devastated. And I thought, well, that's it. That's what I've got to do. I've got to do that. Um... And I, uh, I also applied the same, the same test to my gender. Um, it's, it's a good one that, um, so I went to professional acting school and, uh, I had a lot of fun with life, life-changing drama school in London. And I've been a professional actor for the last few years, um, jobbing and this and that, a lot of voiceover stuff, uh, some audiobooks. I've got some audiobooks coming up. Uh, I did. Uh, the audiobook of Lindsay Ellis's uh, debut novel, Axiom's End, last year, which was a lot of fun. Um, I've had, uh, so since coming out, it's been quite nice. I thought, oh God, you know, it's going to be the end of my career. But actually, um, people are starting to write more roles for trans people now. And they're starting to realize that, you know, it's good to get a trans person in that role. Uh, so I had an audition a while ago for uh, a BBC comedy, which was nice. And I had an audition before that for a big... Uh, a big sky TV show that I can't, I can't talk about, but, um, the character is, is amazing. It's a really, really cool trans woman, uh, in the show. So it's been, and I've got, you know, offers of audiobooks and stuff. Um, so it, it, it is actually, I think there is going to be a market and a growing market for it. Um, and a growing appetite for it as well. Um, I, I hope that my, my audience will come with me, you know, if I were to, put on a show in London or if I were to, you know, be in a series or something, I, I'm sure that at least some of my audience would tune in, um, which is nice. Um, and I have also, uh, I've written a play, um, which is about political radicalization and national decline and trans identity and how all those things are kind of mixed up. Uh, and I'm currently looking for a home for that play. I'm trying to find the right theater to put it on. And, uh, and then hopefully after COVID we can start, start putting on, a show that I've written yeah. um, in, a few, in a few months as well, which is very exciting. It could be June the 21st onwards. I mean, there'll be a lot of a fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I mean, the, the theater industry is, um, has suffered a lot because of COVID and even before then wasn't, wasn't doing great. 
Um, but uh, I probably shouldn't say who exactly has read it, but uh, some some people at uh, some some theatres that you would know in London have read it and said, oh, we like this. This is good. So great. We'll see. We'll see. I, can't, oh, I probably can't say much more than that. I mean, I mean, that is very exciting, by the way. And I'll, I, I will definitely myself be there amidst the summer Please of do. hedonism. Um, mm. I will mix hedonism with, uh, with theatre this summer. Yeah, with I culture. mean, the other culture, exactly, culture, cultural pursuits. Hedonism is cultural pursuits. What, mm-hmm. I mean, another debate, I mean, there's a general thing about LGBTQ representation in the arts. and Because Russell T Davies recently talked about talking about cisgendered gay actors playing gay roles, because often, you know, if we think about cisgendered gay people in uh, TV and films, you do often get straight actors playing gay roles. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you kind of cynically think that's kind of their way of getting an award, maybe. Uh, you know, they'll get validated. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, wow, you've managed to, you've... You're so brave. I know, wow, because that's like emasculating. Mm. And then equally, um, lots of gay people in the acting world can't don't even come out because they think, actually often with quite a good uh, reason, that coming out will mean they won't play leading roles, leading men, um, and, which is rare. I mean, Zachary Quinto has, but it's very rare. And equally, obviously, in terms of trans roles, I mean, we have seen an increase in in trans representation, but still got a long way to go. So where do you sit on all Mm. that in terms of LGBTQ representation in general, in terms of acting? And and how much has trans representation in the last few years improved? And what are still, do you you still see as the big obstacles? Well, I um, I don't really have any hard and fast, uh, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to deliver the commandments from on high. I understand that acting is a business uh, and producing entertainment is a business. And sometimes, you know, you, you, you might have a very promising, uh, very promising performer for a lead role, but they don't have the star appeal or whatever. So I understand, I understand that, that it's not a, it's not a simple moral choice and, or at least rather moral reasons are not the only reasons that people consider when they're casting. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Um, I do think that, well, perhaps this is just uh, just just me, uh, just my sort of personal take on it, is if you have a cisgender man playing a trans woman, then people look at the poster and they say, oh, it's a man in a dress. Yeah. When people look at trans women and say it's a man in a dress, that's what gets us killed. So when I see a cis man playing a trans woman, I'm like you. You 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 should say no to that. That's that. That's just me. Um, I don't think that that should be done. Um, you know, I don't think it shouldn't be. You know, it's illegal. Uh, Abigail Thorne wants you know <laughs> cancel culture. It's the end of free speech and acting. No, I just I think there are moral reasons why a cisgender male actor might like to consider turning down the part of a trans woman if asked. Um, there's this interesting thing that I'm noticing at the moment where. Uh, some casting departments are trying to be inclusive. So I will get a brief uh, that says, oh, we would really love to cast a trans slash non-binary person in this role. And I'm like, well, well, like some some trans, some non-binary people do call themselves trans, but why are you asking me? Because I'm, I'm not non-binary. So I'm saying, well, they say, oh, this role is either trans, is, is either a trans woman or they're non-binary. That's what I meant. Um, and I said, well, which is it? You know, because if it's a non-binary role, 
then I think, you know, really that should go to a non-binary actor. Um, so, so some people kind of conflate it um, because I guess for some people it is a bit of a brave new world and um, a lot of people are worried about saying the wrong thing and that's kind of, that's the limit of their concern. Um, and I think to a certain extent this harkens back to what we were saying about sort of representation and people thinking that as long as they consume the right media and include the right keywords and tweet the right things, things are fine. But again, no, even if we woke up tomorrow and there was, you know, British media was full of positive, lovely trans representation that's all been kind of thoughtfully cast and we're giving roles. I mean, uh, before, uh, I'll put a post-it note on that in my brain and come back to it. Even if we were to wake up tomorrow in that world, we would still be living in a world in which I can't get married or have children without permission from the government. And we would still be living in a world in which I don't have equal rights to healthcare. So to a certain extent, the debate about representation in media, I think, is fine as long as that's not the be all and end all of the discussions that we are having. The thing I was about to come back to is that the other reason to cast trans people uh, and LGBT people in the appropriate roles is that it's nice for us to get paid. Uh, a lot of us are skint and might not normally have those kind of opportunities. So that's there's kind of a good economic reason as well. Uh, to cast to cast the right people in the right roles. Um, but as I say, I think it is more complicated than it is sometimes made out to be. And uh, it does sometimes frustrate me when that's the only thing we talk about. Yeah. Finally, final question. I'm going to ask you a very broad question. So just oh. interpret it as you want. We've lived through a, a rocky period of human history. We've obviously had the pandemic. We've had years of Trump, the rise of the far right. We've got the whole existential threat of climate change which is a bit of a bit of a downer on everything oh yeah that one yeah uh, that old that old shebang uh we've and got the bees are all gone bees are definitely in decline don't see many bees around these days uh mm. we've got not 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 the most ideal of governments in britain to say the least with a thumping big majority what may what gives you cause for optimism amidst all that dystopian hellscape i've just painted in your kind of, if you were just generally to, to think, well, actually, it's not all a write-off and actually humanity maybe does have a future worth fighting for, what is it that gives you that optimism? Well, the real answer is that transitioning has given me a sense of optimism because it's given me my life. I, I remember waking up years ago thinking... I can't face much more of this. I think I thought I'm probably going to be dead by the time I'm 30, 35, maybe. I might make it that long if I'm lucky. But after that, I thought I can't do any more of it. But now I wake up and I'm happy and I want to live and I'm determined to see it through. And my mental health, like I was saying earlier on, it's night and day. Like my my life has blossomed in, in a way that, you know, it doesn't redeem the nasty things that I have been through in the past but it does bring them into a light where I can accept them. So that has given me a tremendous sense of optimism. The other thing that's given me a sense of optimism is there are people out there who are, who are creative and who are talented and who are dedicated and who are starting to get it. Um, and that I do see people change uh, and change very quickly. So almost everybody, you know, with the exception of people who, you know, throw things at me or you know, spit at me in the street and stuff. Almost everybody I've encountered in person since coming out has been wonderful, has been really, really lovely about it. So I, I remember um, 
I remember when I uh, I moved flats ages ago, and uh, I'd been on the phone to the estate agent, and uh, they were helping me find a place. And I said, well, look, um, I'm trans, so, and, and at that time I didn't have um, the paperwork and the stuff that I do now. So I said, look, they asked, they asked to see my passport because you have to show your passport to rent a flat in this country. Um, currently, that, that law has not been undone yet. Um, but I, I said to them, look, the name on my passport is not the name that you know me by because I'm trans. And I said, I know that some, I know that they're not supposed to, but some landlords do discriminate against trans people. Um, so I said, if you think we need to keep this a secret between us, then I'm okay with hiding. And the estate agent said, absolutely not, Abigail. We wouldn't ever work with someone who was like that. Don't worry, we will take care of you and we will make sure that you get a nice place to live. You know, we, we, will, do, we will do that job for you and we're not gonna treat you any different. And despite the fact that they, you know, didn't have a policy in place, they weren't like 110% like up to date on the right vocab and they weren't like fully woke or whatever. They were like, no, no, no I'm, I'm still going to do my job for you. Um, and I have seen people, I've seen people very rapidly come to terms with it. So a while ago I was hiring a filming location and I turned up, you know, as, as myself. Um, and I, this was before I came up publicly and I was telling the lady, I said, oh, well, you know, if you happen to walk in when we are filming, you might see someone different because uh, my fans don't know that I'm trans yet. And she said, what's trans? And I, you know, I'd been having a 15 minute conversation with this lady who had no idea that I was trans, had no idea what trans even is. And I said, well, it, it, it I kind of explained, it. I said, well, I tried to do it without the jargon, but I gave her the sort of standard, well, it means that my gender is not the one that I was assigned at birth. Like they got it wrong. Like they didn't get it bang on like they did with Owen Jones. Um, and she said, she said, oh, so, so, well, no, first of all, she said, oh, I just thought you were a woman. And I said, and then, then this look of panic came over her face as she realized she might've said something offensive. And she was like, I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, and I said, it's, it's fine. Like I am a woman, like you, you're correct. Um, it's fine. I am, you know, um, and she said, so you're, you're, you're going to become a man. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said I was assigned male at birth and like she she got it and she was fascinated she was like really that's amazing wow I'm so happy for you that's like that's fantastic you know that I, I could see the moment where it clicked for her and she said oh my god incredible you know I'm so pleased for you um so I have seen people learn very rapidly um even people who are even people who really really get it wrong so a while ago I was chatting to um, a guy and he used the T-slur. He, he called me the, the, the word that you do not call trans people, um, which uh, for those who, who don't know at home, it's the one with two N's and a Y. Um, so he called me this and I sort of sort of visibly shuddered. It, it was by coincidence the first time anyone had ever called me that. Um, and he said, oh, I'm sorry, is that not? And I was like, no, no, that just for future reference, you know, if you meet a trans person, you you, you should never call us that. It's It's really, you know, quite derogatory. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, and he sort of, again, he instantly got it. So I have seen, not just as a trans person, but also in my role as a public educator and in my role as an actress, that when confronted with the unfamiliar, people are very open to changing their perspective, much more so than I thought I would. Um, I think that what entrenches people is when they have financial and career incentives 
to not change their mind or to keep their heads down. I mean, my, my, my friend at the BBC told me a while ago, he said, um, there are senior editors in journalist organizations who aren't willing to risk their career for trans rights. And I said, well, it must be nice to have a choice about that because some of us have to risk our career for trans rights. Um, but there are people who, when they don't have those structural incentives in place, are actually quite willing to change um, and are willing to make what are really the most basic adjustments to give us the same respect and rights that, that you all have as well. So despite everything, I do still believe that most people mostly try to be mostly good. That was a very good note of optimism to end with. Um, thank you so much, the criminally young and talented, Abby, uh, who has already been a trailblazer in, in so many multiple ways uh, and has an extremely exciting future, which I think many, many of us are very, very excited to see how it all pans out. Uh, it's been if I wasn't wearing nine layers of concealer, you'd be able to see me blushing. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big honour. So thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank and, you. Uh, and uh, I can't wait. Let's, let's hang out when it's actually legal. I'd love to. Have a drink. Come and see my play when it is on, if it's oh, on. Oh, I'll be there, all right. I'll be claw <laughs> clawing my way to the front. Um, and uh, and uh, here's, here's to that very bright future. Thank you so much, Abby. Thank you for listening. She was on great form. Uh, as ever, do support us on patreon.com forward slash ownjoes84. Help us decide what we talk about, what videos we do, who we talk to, all through the support function in the podcast description we've got loads to come so please do uh, keep listening speak soon planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.